Well, welcome back once again to Rhythms of Grace. My name's Nate. Uh, I am the executive pastor at Grace Church, and I'm here with Sung Kim, who is the lead pastor of Grace Church, and we, check, have, a, check. we have a special guest with us. The emphasis today. on special. <laughs> that's right. Special <laughs> that's guest. Right. That's, good. that's foreshadowing for any of you that don't know it. It's foreshadowing. And foreshadowing is foreshadowing. Oh, my gosh. So Because <laughs> we're talking little, about the four. So many levels. <laughs> we are experts at this podcast thing. <laughs> so we are here with Tyler, who is uh, who's on staff at Grace and leads worship and does actually a bunch of other things at our Canton location and is an unapologetic four. Is that true? That is true, whether I like it or not. So the other thing I want to point out is that I am sitting here with a cup of coffee. Sung is sitting here with a cup of coffee. Tyler has some sort of green. Mountain Dew. It's a Mountain Dew game fuel, which for some of those who really know me, they know I normally go with the kickstart. But okay, yes. the podcast is a special occasion. So today is the game fuel. So Sung is on like his fourth cup. This is going to be like a hyper caffeinated podcast. So strap in. So <laughs> is the volume a little bit low or is it just me? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I can, I can boost everything. Okay. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, today we're talking about the type four and they are called everything from the romantic to the individualist to the intense creative. And just, just before we get into oh, that, yeah. we're, we're talking about Enneagram numbers for yes. those of you, if you're checking us out for the first time, the Enneagram is a, a way of sort of categorizing is too tight of a term, but um, a way of sort of looking at ourselves uh, based on these sort of types. And they're numbered one through nine, and we've been going through them one by one by one, and today we're on number four. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Sung. Yeah, so Tyler, um, I, I want to take a moment and just describe kind of a, a four, I was going to say a typical four, but there is no typical there four. There is no, they reject that <laughs> that term. And then I'd love for you to kind of respond to like, oh, I really resonate with that. Uh, and then maybe more just kind of share more about like whatever it parts that you just say, oh, yeah. So so our listeners who, who may be a four or who may have a four in their life that can really understand the inner workings of a four. So one of the main themes of a four is just the need to feel special and unique and just within them, they have this underlying theme of uh, a feeling uh, of loss or abandonment and separation. And sometimes they could feel like there is something tragically wrong with themselves. And so they are constantly seeking meaning and emotional depth to, to kind of fill in that, that space. Um, so again, for, for someone like me, that's just like so foreign, but for, uh, and again, like this is what we're learning in the, as we walk through the Enneagram is just the uniqueness of, of each of these types. So, uh, yeah, like, how does that sound like you? Does that sound like you? Tell us a little bit more about that aspect of, of, of yourself. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. And I, I think for people who either aren't a four or maybe don't have a four close in their life, um, when you just list off those descriptions, a lot of them I think can sound really extreme. And I know that like in some ways um, fours can be the Enneagram like punching bag of like all of like almost like the like, wow, like that is just so different or so interesting or whatever, which there's truth to that. But I think I have a punching bag in my office. <laughs> I know that about you. <laughs> that's why I'm always like a little bit scared. But your face is not on there. Tyler. Okay, that's good to know. Not this weekend. Not anyways. yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, yeah, but I think like 
it really, for me, comes down to just uh, wanting uh, not only for myself to feel important, because that can sound like kind of conceited, but I think for <laughs> life in general to just have a really deep meaning to be fulfilling. Like um, for myself and a lot of fours that I know, like going through life with just kind of like a casual attitude, like doesn't quite cut it. Like there's just um, an emphasis on on there being a deeper meaning, like I said. And I think um, you talked about some of the negative sides of like maybe a feeling of um, a loss of significance or an abandonment or things like that. I think whether it's real or perceived, um, I do tend to feel that um, more easily than others where there's a feeling of like, wow, something has gone wrong. Or, and maybe it's feeling like, oh, maybe someone else did something um, that made me feel that way. Or sometimes it's just have I contributed to that? And then, you know, it kind of, everything kind of then turns inward to like, well, what kind of feeling is going to make that better? Yeah. And again, to flip it on the positive side a bit, fours are really attuned to, to their emotions and they seek to understand the feelings of other people as well too. that, which makes them really empathetic and, and, and sensitive because, uh, they, they, they're always diving into their own sense, their, their own soul. Right. Um, I think the other thing about fours that um, are they're just really courageous in the sense of they don't shy away from uh, painful emotions or suffering, um, which gives them courage to ask these difficult questions, which, by the way, is also why, like, you know, uh, like. Musicians, country singers, <laughs> a lot of them are probably forced because they, they can yeah. tap into some of the, the pain yeah. in ways that other types can. Yeah. And you're a musician too. How does being a four or, or those strengths lean into uh, your, your role as a worship leader? And what does that look like in your, what, what role does music play in your own life? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely... I think why God sort of steered my path toward worship leadership is from a young age, like music is, is one of the easiest ways to really connect deeply over difficult issues. Mm -hmm. Um, at least, you know, for me, it's like, okay, I could read a book about that or I could listen to songs about it or I could write songs about it. And, um, I think in terms of leading worship, um, man, there's just, there's people that walk into a church every single week who, whether they're feeling it totally extremely or not, um, they're going through really hard stuff. Yeah. And the essence of the gospel is that, yeah, the world is broken, and here's how God interacts with that, which from the perspective of a four is extremely meaningful for me yeah. because it's like, yeah, I do see and feel that brokenness maybe in a little bit of a unique or sometimes even extreme way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that makes me more appreciative of what God has done um, both like on the grand scheme of like eternal salvation, but also in the day to day of how he interacts with us and cares for us. And I think just being in a position where I can share that with people through music is it, it gives incredible meaning to me. Um, and hopefully other people appreciate it too. I mean, I think you're, you're also tapping into one of the powers of the four because your ability. So, so one of the things that music does is it allows us to experience things without necessarily having to like think about it or like yeah. cognitively process it. And fours can sort of bring that. And then all of the other people, the other types that tend to be more thinkers, 
you can kind of lead them into a place that's like, hey, we're just like, we're not, you don't need to over process. You don't need to like, this doesn't need to all make sense. Like just sort of sit in these feelings. And for some of us that aren't good at that, it's a, it's a tremendous gift to have a four sort of lead us into a space that doesn't require us to sort of figure it out first. Yeah. And, and music and especially worship, it does that in a profound way. Yeah, and I think one thing for me that um, I don't know if this is where I I get into like, well, here's how I'm different from other fours because yeah. every four <laughs> oh every yes. every four has that in them where they're like, no, I I'm not like every other four. That's right. Um, there is no typical four. But I think the one of the first things that usually comes up with fours is like that that dichotomy between thinking and feeling. Mm. Um, and for me, it's not that feeling is so strong that I abandon thinking or, you know, something like that. Um, I, I actually tend to be a deep thinker. Um, but I view feelings as a very important part of the thinking process and kind of like you were describing, usually that like, that's a step of the process before finding the answer. Yeah. So like part of thinking something through is, okay, well, how does this make me feel? How does this make other people feel? And before we figure that out, let's acknowledge those feelings because that's going to be helpful as we then progress into asking those questions and figuring that out. It gives, to me anyway, it gives me a much more holistic view. Yeah. Um, And again, that's really different from the way some other numbers would view a feeling, which is like it should be ignored, essentially, um, or, or that it is a distraction. So why are you laughing, Sung? <laughs> no reason. No, absolutely no reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the other thing that I observe, because I, I have a son who is a musician and a four as well, um, but one of the things that I kind of stumbled on before I even knew much about the Enneagram or his number was that as a kid, he would feel and react. Like mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. there was no space between his feeling and his reaction. And one of the things that you're talking about and that I had to sort of teach him was that you can feel something and that's like where we start. Mm-hmm. And then you, but, and, and again, it's not saying the feeling isn't real. It's not to say that you shouldn't be feeling that, but let's just see it as the starting point, yeah. And then we start to move our way into a response. I think that's, again, I think as a healthy four, that that's, that's sort of like a, the, one of the best ways to be. You're the best kind of four there is, Tyler. I, you know, I try. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Speaking of the best, uh, we'll kind of go in reverse here a bit. But the uh, typical vice or tendency for a four is what is called envy. And it's not envy so much in terms of like, uh, or it could be like, oh, wow, they have a nice car. I wish I had that car. It's a bit more personal. Um, tell us a little bit about like what envy looks like for four. Yeah. Um, I think, um, and in some of, in, in past years when I've done some reading, um, on my type, um, and I've kind of looked into that idea of envy a little bit, there was one definition that really was helpful that I think put it into words in a way that was a little bit easier to describe, um, cause we all you know, have certain connotations when we hear the word envy, but it's really more about having a strong passion or desire for something that isn't presently in my life. Mm. Um, which I think is maybe like, yes, that is what envy is, but it's a little bit nicer way of saying it. Yeah. Um, where <laughs> I think I do feel that all the time. Um, and it's not always like, um, out of a negative energy, which envy I think is how we normally think of that. Yeah. Um, but I think 
it sometimes it, it's what motivates me where it's like, okay, there's something in my life that isn't the way it's supposed to be. Um, and I look around and I see other people who maybe have figured that part of life out. Mm-hmm. And I, and so then it kind of gets me thinking like, okay, well, what do I need to do? Uh, not to become the same as them. I mean, certainly not. I'm a four. I want to be different, <laughs> but I, like, but how do I like make a step toward yeah. feeling what they're feeling? Well, that, that's the beauty of the way that the Enneagram looks at it, because the Enneagram is primarily talking about motivation, yeah. not, not just behavior, you yeah. know? And so what, what could look like when we think of envy, we tend to think of a very specific behavior, which is like, I want what he has, or I right. want what they um, have. And what you're talking about is sort of this internal drive that can either move us in a healthy direction, right? In terms of like creativity um, or personal growth, or it can drive us to sort of be in perpetual competition and sort of malicious envy towards other people that have things that we want instead. Yeah. And I think in my own experience, um, when it, when it's on the unhealthier side, I still tend to really internalize that. So like I might be, let's say I'm envious of other people. It's not usually something where I, I'm mad at them or take it out on them. But what I, what I have struggled with is turning that inward and saying like, well, I'm not good enough mm-hmm. or like, wow, why, you know, why can they have a marriage that looks like that? And I can't figure that out. Or yeah. why, why can they get their career to go this way? And I feel stuck or, you know, like I, I tend to like, have maybe those thoughts about other people, but then I turn it inward and again, in an unhealthy response can, can cause that to be um, second guessing myself or, or having low self-esteem, which is a common thing for fours. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. That's well, that's like on the unhealthy side. So like typically an unhealthy four is going to be those people who definitely are more uh, melancholy or sensitive or, um, struggling with their self-worth because uh, as we talked about earlier, there's such a heavy emphasis for us on finding a deep meaning. Mm. And what do you, what does that feel like if you haven't found that yet? Yeah. Right. Like that's a really difficult thing. And I would say for myself, like, I mean that there will always be times I think where I'll struggle with that, but especially in young adulthood, like between like ages of like 17 and probably 25, I had no idea what my identity was going to be. I didn't know, you know, where I was going to go to school, even my first years of college and I was going to community college, I was like, but where am I going to go for the next two years? And then what am I going to study? What am I going to do? Like, I don't know. And then rather than for some people that might motivate them for me, it was, I was sitting in my bedroom going like, wow, I just don't know what I'm doing. Like there must be like, is there something wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Or like, am I not good enough at things to achieve these things? Like it it really became an unhealthy thing for me for a while. Being a four sounds really hard. <laughs> I mean, again, you're not even painting it in a way that's like, you're just kind of saying this is what it is like to live in a four's brain. And that sounds really hard to me. It definitely can be. Um, and that's something I've struggled with. Like, to be totally honest, I um, I have struggled with depression um, for many years. Um, I it, it goes through ups and downs. There's been seasons of my life where I've been on medication for it. So, like, it's been a significant thing. Um, and I think that one of the things, one of the most powerful things that someone told me was a spiritual mentor of mine a few years ago. And I was, I was in a really rough spot and I was just kind of lamenting to him, like, oh, like I just, I, 
I see all the brokenness. I feel all the brokenness and I don't know why I can't move past that. And, um, he said something that will always stick with me. He said, well, you know what? As hard as that is, view it as a gift because you actually are more in tune with how God feels about the world than other people. That's good. And I, and it did take, like, I was like, I kind of know what you're saying, but I was like, you're going to have to flesh that out for me a little bit. Cause again, I was in an unhealthy spot and I was like, that sounds nice, but can you elaborate (laughs) on that? It sounds biblical, but I need a little more. And, and he just kind of went on to talk about how like the essence of the gospel is that God was so heartbroken every time he looked at the world because he saw the pain, he saw the sin, he saw the brokenness. And he said, I have to do something about that. Like that is, it's so awful. And the way that uh, he connected with that was to basically put Jesus through that was, I want you to go feel what they're feeling because it's one thing to watch it happen, but he's like, no, I want to experience that. I want to feel that. And I want to love them in the midst of that. And when that was kind of described to me, like what can be a very negative thing um, of, feeling depressed or just like so frustrated with myself or the world around me just to flip that and view that as a gift. I honestly changed my life then and, and is something I still think about to this day. Wow. It's so helpful. Again, we've talked in episodes past about how some people feel like the Enneagram is in some way sort of divorced from faith or it's outside of faith. And then to hear you talk about how sort of understanding yourself and understanding um, even through the lens of the Enneagram, how it gives you a window into who God is. That's just like exactly what we've been talking about, Mm -hmm. how increased self-knowledge can give us greater knowledge of God. And in the same way, like greater knowledge of God should be giving us increased knowledge of ourselves. That's such a, that's a powerful example. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing to note too, even as you as we talk about envy, and Tyler, you kind of mentioned this too. Like a, a lot of these vices, as we talk about the enneagram, are are part of the seven deadly sins, and envy is something that we all struggle with. But um, it, it, it's it's expressed differently for four. You know, last week we talked about the three, and, and you may hear envy and go, "Oh yeah, I feel envious." But the the motivation is different, and that's key to understanding the enneagram. Because again, like. Uh, but as a three, their motivation is I feel envious because they have success and I feel less successful. So it's a very different uh, expression of envy than when you talk about a four, yeah. because you're talking about it like, no, no, there's something missing in my life, whether it's meaning or some sort of uh, uniqueness. Um, and so, again, some of these words kind of like, especially as it relates to the vices, may sound like really harsh. But again, like... Uh, if you're listening to this and, and you resonate with what Tyler is saying in terms of envy, especially in the way that he's talking about it, like that, that's, that's a good signal. Again, going to the, your core motivation, uh, that, then you might be a four. Mm-hmm. And that looks different for, for uh, other types, which who, that, that may struggle with envy, but they, they actually have other issues, uh, other vices that are actually stronger that drive them. Yeah. So like when it comes to relationships, whether at work or personal relationships, as a four, what are the things that trigger you? Um, and, and are we doing them right now? I was going to say, <laughs> let me just like unroll the scroll here. Um, I think, man, the biggest thing for me, and I think for a lot of fours, 
has to do with feeling significant. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is the journey we're on individually. Like that's, that's what we're searching for in life is what is the deeper meaning? What is the significance? So that gets translated into relationships by, um, it, there's really, it's less about a desire to like be right or to achieve something or, um, you know, even to like totally just feel loved. It's really more about being understood or having someone be like, wow, that's really important. I'm glad you added that to Mm -hmm. this conversation. Um, and so I think you asked about triggers. Like, I think when it feels like, um, oh, like, well, you feel this really strongly and you just shared that with me, but then uh, I'm going to kind of ignore that and move on to something more practical. If if someone did that to me, I would feel like, well, we're just, we're not even having a conversation yeah. at this mm-hmm. point because uh, that's what I can contribute to this right now mm-hmm. because I haven't had time to think it all the way through to like get to the practical side yet. Right, right now I'm focused on like, okay, this is why it's important to me. This is why I want to talk about it do you understand that? And when I don't feel like that's reciprocated, that's a very difficult thing for me. Are you looking for other people to do that same thing or, or in, in terms of like presenting you with sort of like that, or is it, is it okay if it's kind of, and by, I don't mean one-sided negatively, just kind of like, no, like it's, this is how I need to, but I under, I don't really care if other people are bringing that to the table. I think it it's definitely appreciated when other people bring it to the table just because I feel like I can connect with that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that I have that expectation or that requirement for other people to have a close relationship with them. Okay. Um, I do think I, what... I will say I'm taking notes because my son is a four. And so I'm like, <laughs> literally like, so what else should uh, someone be doing if they want to care for a four? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think it is, it, it's less about like, other people that mimic that same behavior. And it's more about, at, I want people who are close to me to understand that that's how I work. Yeah. That's how I operate. And that's what matters to me. And so like, um, literally like, and I know everybody in, likes this, but for a four, like fe- saying to them, I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, um, or even acknowledging like, whatever that emotion is like that makes total sense why you feel that way that i think a lot of times is what we want from yeah. people who are close to us yeah. mm-hmm. that makes sense that makes so sense. as a as a four grows in healthiness as they go from like you know moving away from destructive patterns of behavior to greater patterns of health uh, what does that look like what has that looked like in your life? And what are some practices or rhythms that you've integrated into, into your life to get to that place? Man, I was hoping you'd have those answers for me. <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> um, yeah, I think so moving healthier, um, you know, again, maybe even starting all the way back at like, it might start at that place of really feeling some level of brokenness. Um, but I think as that progresses to something healthy, um, it's, uh, and honestly, for me, it's easiest to just integrate this with my faith because I think that, I mean, we're talking about being on a journey for uh, like a search for deeper meaning. Like there is nothing for me personally <laughs> deeper than my faith. So, yeah. um, I think a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, that's what it is. It's, it's figuring out like, where does meaning come from? Is it 
does it all rely on me? Because that's the temptation that we feel is like, okay, I'm lacking a deeper meaning or I'm lacking significance. So I need to do something to feel better or for people to appreciate me more or whatever it is. Or you're responsible for producing that sort of deeper meaning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the more that I can realize that's not up to me, Mm. that's when I experience that freedom. Like that's when I realize like, okay, um, I am able to feel fulfilled and it's not because I did X, Y, Z. Um, but it's because again, to integrate with faith, like that's because I, I find my worth and my identity in Christ. Um, I know that was really formative for me as I got to like the stage of my life where I was kind of making my faith my own and figuring out like as an adult, what do I want that to look like for me? Um, or, or why, why does Christianity matter? Um, for me, a lot of it was purpose. It, mm. it gave me a reason to go through the ups and downs of life where it's yeah. like, this makes sense. Like this is, there's a purpose behind all of this and it's working towards something. And that gives me a life of, of deeper meaning. So um, to kind of follow into that next step of what are the healthy rhythms? I, you know, it, it's so interesting because man, I'm not good at it. I'm just not. I I do get caught in the unhealthiness a lot, if I'm being honest. Um, But I think the healthy rhythms are, um, I need to have time to feel things. When life is really busy, you can't afford to feel things all the time. Um, When you do, it it can cause disruption um, in relationships. Like if it's like, okay, I only have 10 minutes to talk to you right now. You don't have time to be like, yeah, yeah, but this is how I'm feeling and, and blah, blah, blah. Like that, those aren't short conversations. Like, especially if it's like in um, a romantic relationship or uh, even work relationships, like it's like, okay, we've got like a long to-do list today. I don't have time to express my feelings or really for myself to even acknowledge them because I could get lost in them. And so the healthy rhythm is I need to have regular times really either to myself or with a close friend Mm -hmm. where it's like, I just need to process this or I just need to acknowledge that I'm feeling this for a while. And that allows me to kind of get to a a place of clarity Um, because I think the strong sense of emotions that a lot of force feel is one of the things that gets in the way of that significance or that deeper meaning because emotions do cloud you. Like I think we recognize that um, they're important, but if that becomes like the number one thing that's filling your mind, you're going to have a very clouded view of life. Yeah. Um, so I, I think just having space and time to, to process that is helpful for me. I know for some fours, uh, they not only feel the lows of melancholy, but they also, they feel the highs even higher. And, and I've heard other fours describe themselves as like constantly on this emotional roller coaster, right? They, the, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. Is that your reality or is that different for you? Yeah, I, that definitely is true. Um, I think, and to me, that that's one of the, that's probably my favorite thing about being a four. Even though the lows are really difficult, um, it, I do feel like I experience the world about as fully as you can, mm. because it's like when something is hard, whether it's for myself or someone else, I feel that, and when something is great for myself or other people, I feel that too, and that's awesome and it's beautiful. Um, so I definitely have experienced both ends of that. I think the danger for myself, um, is that 
the lows can can be so low mm. that you you really want to minimize those emotions. Yeah. And the the downside of doing that is then when you're experiencing something positive, you minimize those emotions yeah, too. Absolutely. Because you don't it feels vulnerable. Like if everything is great and beautiful, it's like, what's gonna go wrong? <laughs> like mm-hmm. I cause I know that there's always something more um, because of like the mindset that I have toward life. So it's like it, the temptation is to minimize those feelings. Um, so I think, again, the, the finding a healthy rhythm is, is hopefully getting to a point where you're not constantly in, in such a low place where you have to fight against that. And you can kind of be more in the middle ground to maybe the more positive emotions mm. kind of thing. But, but I really do love the lesson that because there are lots of ways that lots of numbers try to minimize pain. Right. And I love that I was actually thinking it and you said it, that if we work too hard to minimize pain, what we don't realize is that we also minimize our ability to experience joy and finding a way to navigate those ups and downs in a healthy way is kind of like you said, it's kind of like its own thing. But what continues to be true is that the more we try to avoid pain, even if we don't realize it, we're also minimizing our ability to celebrate. Um, and that's a great lesson. That's a great lesson that force can teach everybody. Really. I could certainly learn that. I have a hard time celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's exactly what I do. What you, what you just said, I'm like, Oh, I, that's, ex- I, I try to temper my pain and it tempers my joy too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if you have a four in your life and they go into kind of like a valley, a dark spot, and let's say it's somebody who, you know, cares about you and loves you. Like, how do they go about like helping you or I don't Mm. even know if that's the right word, but coming alongside you, is there a sense of just like, leave me alone or like, what is it that fours need during that time? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and I, I definitely think there's a spectrum there because, um, the fours can be anywhere from like extremely introverted. Um, and then there are some fours that are definitely more extroverted. Um, and I think that factors into that a little bit. Um, so I'll just speak from my personal experience. Um, just having people sit with me in the Valley and acknowledge why I'm there and not judging me for being there. Because I think the, the thing that can be challenging is like sometimes you go through something in life where it's like, oh, it's very clear why you're in a valley. And then there's other seasons of life where, and I think this can happen to anyone, but for a four, maybe the only reason you're in the valley is because you're feeling the loss of significance or the lack of deeper meaning. And there's nothing inherently bad that has happened. And so other people look at you and they think, what is with you? Like, why, why are you being that way right now? And that's not going to help them get out of that valley. And that's also going to really damage the closeness of the relationship. So I think if you observe that a four is in that spot, um, know that there's definitely a reason why they're feeling that way. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. Like they, it usually is because they have deeply thought about something or felt something that has kind of put them there for a minute. Um, They don't necessarily want to stay there. um, But I think to have it expressed to them that like, Hey, the fact that you feel that is actually important. Um, that, that's been really helpful t- for me in the past. Um, I don't respond well usually to like, oh, you're, you're looking kind of sad. Let's just like do something fun for no reason. I'm like, <laughs> how, like, how do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I can't just like turn that off. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to one of the things you said earlier, which is that in some ways processing feelings takes time. 
you know, mm-hmm. and that a healthy four is giving themselves space to sort of navigate those emotions. And for those of us that want to care for fours, we can be a part of that. But kind of like trying to get you to sort of hurry up and get out of it is actually sort of probably the opposite of what is necessary yeah. and definitely the opposite of what is experienced as care. Yeah. How, how does that, how has that worked out with you, Nate? You know, when uh, Tyler said, you know, saying this doesn't really help uh, automatically. I imagined a, uh, an unhealthy one mm. <laughs> kind of saying like, Hey, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, and, and then the four feeling like that's the absolute worst thing to say. Yeah. If you're, if you're a one and your son is a four, uh, how, g- give us a picture of that kind of relationship as a parent child. And, and especially as it has, uh, I know all of our relationships are a journey, and so there are moments when we just kind of default to unhealthiness. But then, what what do what do some of those like transformative conversations look like? Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's interesting. And again, as my son, who might be listening, will attest, I am by, <laughs> by no means a, a perfect father. But I do know that what I... I think I just heard him say amen. That's right. He shouted it from, <laughs> from our farm in Chelsea. Uh, I, I do... What I try to do is create lots of processing space in our relationship. Just simply... For feelings. Yeah, mm-hmm. for feelings. And, and really, I think one of the things that I do... Again, I'm a one, so I'm relentlessly self-critical. But one of the healthy things that I do is that I check in. How, like, how are you doing just as an open-ended, like, just tell me where you're at. I just want to hear about it. I just want to ask like questions. Um, and then the other thing that I try to do that I think is healthy is that I often ask him about sort of his creative pursuits, mm-hmm. just trying to kind of say like, Hey man, I know there's a lot going on upstairs. Like what, like, what are you working on? Like what is inspiring to you? What have you seen that's cool or what is, where's your brain kind of He probably working? lights up at that point. Yeah, right? he really does. You know, he really does. And, and again, for me, that can be difficult, be- especially when our interests diverge, <laughs> because I'll have to sort of like embed myself into something that isn't um, necessarily a passion of mine. But um, so, you know, and, and it, there is a lot of it, too, that with him, I've learned to just give some space. Uh, the the past couple of weeks have been a perfect example. I sort of have felt a distance developing between us. And, uh, and I was just, just instead of like really leaning into that and trying to be like, Hey, we're going to hash this out and we're going to fix this. I was just kind of like in my mind, I'm like, well, let's just see where he's at. You know, like he doesn't necessarily crave time with his dad the way that he used to. Let's just give him some space. And sure enough, after a couple of weeks, you know, whatever it was, as I just kind of like pursued him uh, gently and stayed interested, that that I felt that gap start to close again. Um, I, I, again, I will say I do not do that great. And it's really like outside my comfort zone in a lot of ways. Uh, but, but that's kind of how I try to navigate it. Yeah. So you mentioned creative pursuits and I, I know for four, like, uh, authentic self-expression is a big value. Yeah. Um, and, and we've already talked about this, Tyler, you and music and the role music has played. Are there other exp- like venue avenues of self-expression that has really given life to your soul or is it mainly just music interpretive dance is, i think that's <laughs> yeah, probably a big interpretive one. dance is huge <laughs> sort of flag waving yeah that's my go-to when i'm in my apartment alone. <laughs> all by yourself <laughs> my time cat, to get out the flags my baby. cat's looking at me like i'm crazy and yeah um you know I, music is is by far the biggest one for me um but i i have found um 
really what I look for in creative expression, either for myself or from other people to, for me to consume is um, anything where it is expressing deep thought or deep feeling. Um, so music, like I said, is the number one example of that, but um, I, I'm, there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to just because um, it, like they're not all great, but it's like just hearing someone process something for 45 minutes is mm. like really enjoyable to me. Um, as, especially if I feel like they're doing it in an authentic way. Um, another one that, and I don't know, like, I don't know if this seems counterintuitive or not, but comedy is actually a huge one for me that I connect with because, um, man, honestly, I feel like most comedians, uh, are hurting a lot down Ooh. deep and, yeah, dude, uh, and the I, way I've that they, the same experience, the way that they handle that and develop is to recognize like, yeah, stuff happens and it's actually kind of funny when you think about it. And I, I really connect with that. So like, even though like I'll watch a you know, a stand up comedian for an hour, be completely silly on stage, but like, I actually get like some kind of life giving mm -hmm. feeling or, or even like, I can tell what he's communicating mm -hmm. underneath the jokes. Right. Yeah. Right. You, you sense the pain behind yeah. the comedy. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and that can be like, that can be unhealthy. I actually had, <laughs> I had a counsel. So, okay, guys, I have problems and I've been in counseling <laughs> for a long real. time. No, but, um, I, I was really struggling with something and I was talking with my counselor about it and I was, and he would ask me questions and I would just instantly respond with like jokes. Um, and it was, a. I mean, so I've been through a divorce and I was like joking about it, even though my counselor knew at the time I was really struggling with like anger and yeah. different things like that. And, um, he, he kind of called me out on it. He was like, well, you know, you might think that you have a positive attitude about it right now because you're making <laughs> jokes about it, but most jokes are rooted in something unhealthy. Oof. And I was like, dang it. I like to be funny though. Like, don't tell me that's a bad thing. And then he was like, no, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, you have to be aware of the role that comedy actually plays in emotions. Like it, it, a lot of times it's a coping mechanism, yeah. which can be great. Like yeah. laughter is the best medicine, right? Like we, sure. it's know, like a pressure release valve a little bit, yeah. but, but it can't be a replacement yes. for like sincere and right. honest kind of analysis and processing and all exactly. of those things. So then it is like, Humor and comedy, like, I guess in one sense, you're, what I'm hearing is you could use it as a way to, like, mask your emotions or, or it, but I also hear, like, for you, it's also a, a release valve, too. Yeah, it can be both. Like, I think in an unhealthy sense, well, actually, sometimes it is healthy to, to go, you know what, instead of be sad for the next half hour, I'm going to watch The Office. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, yeah. that can be a healthy thing. If for four hours I'm going to watch The Office instead of actually deal with my problems. That's that, crossing the line somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that has happened, even though it definitely has. But, um, <laughs> like, it, I, so I think it, it's, it's a, it is a coping mechanism that in the appropriate amount it can be a good thing for me. Um, but it also, I think if its purpose is only to mask the feelings, then it's not helpful. It's good. I would imagine there's probably things that you can say or acknowledge in with a sense of humor that would be 
almost too painful in some ways oh, yeah. to, to say just like st- straight out without yeah. sort of softening mm-hmm. the edges. So I, again, it, it's so helpful to realize like th- there's healthy ways to do this and now there's really unhealthy ways to do this. Yeah. So what would you say to last words, you know, uh, what would you say to the fours listening to this uh, about being a four? Um, and then what would you say to those who have a four, uh, a loved one that is a four? Um, to the fours that are listening, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I feel your pain. (laughs) Um, You're special, but not as special as I am. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Get in line. Um, no, I, yeah, for fours, I think, um, to remember that like your significance is not something you have to manufacture Mm. and it also is not dependent on what other people think of you. That's good Um, stuff. Because those are the the things we look to first. Like if we want to feel significant, we either want to achieve it or we want other people to tell us we're significant. And that doesn't always happen. And it's not because other people are being mean or ignoring us. It's just because that's not normal everyday conversation. And so, again, the most important thing, you know, obviously we're a podcast that's associated with the church. And I think for anyone listening, like, look to God for that. Like he is the ultimate source of affirmation he's the ultimate source of you matter to me and um he's the ultimate source of yeah the world is broken you've identified something that is 100 theologically correct yeah um and and so i think that shifting that focus from imperfect people to a perfect god is huge um and i think you know to the people who have a four in their life um Again, I think it's using kind of that same concept, but to acknowledge like, okay, they're not necessarily like, uh, if it's a stereotypical for, they're not being moody or melancholy just for the sake of, it's not just for the sake of getting attention, but it might be that they are trying to communicate something that they're not quite sure how to communicate yet. Um, And so rather than basically, you know, the, okay, get over it. We've got stuff to do. Ask a couple of questions or, uh, again, just communicating. I understand that you're feeling something heavy right now, um, can be really impactful. And then I think, um, you know, especially if it's a family relationship to express how important they are to you, because, you know, I know that every family, like you've talked about your son multiple times, like he's your son. Of course he's important to you. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that he knows that, but there might be days where he needs to hear it. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that that, uh, that's definitely a practical takeaway for people that have fours in their life. That's good. Wow. Tyler. I mean, we, this has been our longest podcast to date, but you have given, no, it's cause this has been so much good stuff that you've communicated. I mean, again, I have several fours in my life, and this is one podcast that I'm going to say. You don't have to listen to anything else that Sung and I have done, <laughs> but please just listen to this because, again, I'm really thankful. I know how hard you've worked. I know how hard you've worked to through both through difficult circumstances and to keep yourself on a path towards health, and it really shows. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for taking uh, so much time and, and offering so much me. insight. So I hope you join us on our next episode when we talk about the number – Five. The number five. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.